It's a book in the Bible in the New Testament. So there's 66 books in the Bible, 27 of them in the New Testament, and this is one of those 27 books. And it's written by the Apostle Paul, uh, who claims in the first verse that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And he's writing this letter back to this individual named Philemon. And these letters from Paul, as he writes these epistles that we call them, or a, a letter to a church, Paul writes a lot of them to Colossae, to uh, Ephesians, to uh, Galatians. And as he writes these church, churches, these letters, they are love letters from him to the church. And it's kind of like uh, in grade school, you write a letter to somebody and you say, do you like me? Do you want to be my friend, right? Check yes or no. That's what you want to do. So this is Paul's way of writing back to a church that maybe he attended, maybe he planted or started. Uh, planting a church is something that's very important because in these towns that Paul would go to, a lot of times there wouldn't be an established church there, and he would actually plant a church. That means to start a church from nothing. And uh, that's something very important in the uh, kingdom today, in the kingdom of heaven, that there needs to be churches planting. And uh, there's agencies out there that we know of uh, that help churches plant other churches. And uh, we're grateful to be a part of that. And we, we sow into that here in Kentucky in the Assemblies of God that we help to plant other churches. And they've got uh, uh, a process to do that and how to help with that. And actually, thinking back through, and as Leslie allowed the beginning of the service, and we always do this the third Sunday of the month, to get the kids to bring this money in, when this church was started as the Bethesda Assembly of God back in 1997, the BGMC group gave a grant to this church to start. How awesome is that? Other churches prior to 97 had given in kids, had given in money. And so sometimes this money does go around the world, but it also goes here in the United States, and it helps others that are starting as a church or planning a church to carry on the gospel in a way that they don't have the resources themselves yet that allows a way where there seems to be no way. And our church was uh, grateful for that. And I remember Sister Gartha talking about it and how grateful she was that when they got the grant of money uh, from BGMC, that they were just so grateful they was able to buy things that they didn't think they was going to be able to get. And it's just awesome how God works in great ways. Amen. And we're all part of his kingdom, and we all make that happen. But Paul writes this letter back to Philemon, and he didn't write it this time to a church, but he wrote it to an individual. Sometimes God gets personal. Come on, somebody. We can do things as a corporate church sometimes that's all well and good, and we can join together and join forces and join resources and do mighty exploits for the kingdom of God. But sometimes God wants to get individual. He wants to get in 21st century terms or layman's terms to us. He wants to get up in your grill, right? He wants to, he wants to confront you right where you're at. He wants to get in your business, somebody. Amen. So let's invite him today and just say, God, we welcome you. Get in my business. Amen. Take advantage of the situation, God, because I'm asking you to come and speak to me. Amen. I want to hear what the word of God is to me today. So Paul is writing back, and he's not writing to a church this right time. He's writing to an individual, and he says, Dear Philemon. You ever wrote a letter? 
Anybody ever wrote a letter? Did you start off with, I hate you, and then a parenthesis, and then, or a comma, and then take off writing your letter? No, we say, dear, whatever their name is, right? So you get letters in the mail all the time, it'll say, dear, so-and-so, right? When I write emails, I always start them out with, good morning, or good afternoon. That's kind of my trait that I go by. I don't write, dear, so-and-so. It kind of seems antique to me, so I don't do that. I try to, I try to say, Good morning, and I always call if it's a, a lady that I'm sending an email to for work or something, I'll say, uh, Dear Miss Jewel, or whoever I'm writing it to, and I put that on there, and I want to start off the conversations with good morning, amen? Even if it's a bad letter, <laughs> and it's a, that I'm asking for something, and it's something controversial, or it's something that's not easy to take, I'll start off with that good morning or good afternoon. So sometimes we need to start our life and our conversation with others on a good note. And one of the wisest leaders that I was ever around, he was a, a well-studied Christian that was a businessman, and he was high up on the chain in the organization I was working in, and he would, he would always say, teach me about leadership, and he'd have these little things that he would tell me, and he'd say, whenever you're going to have a conversation with someone, Ben, you have good, then you have bad, and then you follow it up with good. I was like, okay. Everybody say good, bad, good. Amen. You need to start off with some good things. Amen. Then you get down to the business. Then you follow it up with something good again. That way they come in with a good taste and they leave with good taste. But what's in the middle is yucky. Amen. So here we are today. I hope I've started you off with a good taste. Uh-oh. Everybody say, let's get to the yucky. Oh, I want some yucky stuff. Amen. I like that stuff that just tastes bad. Because if we allow God to get up in our grill, he's going to pull some things out of us that we don't like the taste of. Amen. There's some things he wants to deal with in our heart and in our lives sometimes that we don't want to deal with. We'd rather just hide it. We'd rather act like it never happened. We'd rather act like we're not involved. We'd rather act like we're not guilty. But God is here today to speak to us. And I believe he wants to challenge us in ways that we haven't been challenged in a while, maybe. Dear Fight Lehman, I'd love to read this whole chapter to you, and it's just one chapter, and it's one of the shortest books in the Bible. And Philemon is this guy that's at the Church of Colossae, and he's mentioned at other places. And Paul's writing to him, and he's telling him, so you can go home and read this. It's, it's not illegal for you to read the Bible. Look at your neighbor and say, you can read it too. It's, it'll, it'll be okay if you read your Bible. It won't, you know, the, the world won't end. It won't be, you know, the wheels won't fall off the bus. It'll be okay if you read your Bible. But I read one verse because some people say you can't preach a message unless you read a verse. So I've read you the verse, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, to Timothy, our brother, and to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. Everybody say, that's good. Friend and fellow laborer. So Paul's telling him, here's the good, then he's going to deal with some bad, and then he's going to get back to some good, right? So, I think that's something that everybody in this room can benefit from. So, when you're going to have a hard communication or a conversation with somebody, good, bad, good. So, if you're a, a leader on a crew, don't start off the conversation that you're going to deal with somebody that you're having to deal with. Right, Eric? Don't start off in a bad note. John, start good. Talk to them about what you want to talk to them about. Follow it up with something good. Start on a good note, leave on a good note, but deal with the issue. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't make it 
taste any way different than what it really is. Because if they need to change in action, way to do that as a good leader. So that's what Paul's doing in this epistle. So some things we can learn from biblical things in leadership or in our lives to change how we deal with individuals in our lives. And it's not sugarcoating it. It's just allowing a process to take place. This is what Paul wanted to do. Dear Philemon. So Philemon was this affluent um, person that had resources, that had success. And he was somebody that you wanted to know. He's the who's who of the town. And in the culture and in what we're getting ready to talk about, this is the norm of their society. And society sometimes make their own rules or their own regulations. And I don't want to take anything away from our country. But the sooner we figure out we're not dependent upon ourselves, that we don't create our own destiny even though we want to, that we don't gain our freedom because it's ours. God is who gives us the freedom. The Bible says he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? We do not create our own freedom. So as Paul is writing this letter to this guy named Philemon, he explains this person named Onimus. Anonymous is this slave that Paul figures out that was a slave. So Paul's in Rome and he's a prisoner because he'd been preaching about Jesus and he went through the process, and you can read through the book of Acts and see this, that Paul, the apostle, is preaching, planting churches, doing all this work, and he goes on missionary journeys and he sets up multiple, multiple different churches. And as he does this, people in Rome don't like it very well. He's going against their grain, right? He's going against what they want. He's going against their desires. And, and even the Jews of the day, they didn't want to hear Paul preaching because Paul was preaching something that they didn't like taught. Amen? They was opposing him, and they would, uh, Paul talks about it, you know, and, and actually shipwrecked, and he was, he was, he was bound, and, and different times and different situations, and they left him for dead. They beat him. All these things happened to Apostle Paul, but he kept on preaching anyway. Amen? So here we are today, we're preaching in freedom today, but it hasn't always been that way. The church began on opposition, that the world opposed the things of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Here we are 2,000 years later, and what's the world do? They still oppose the teaching that we teach. Amen? They'll still oppose the freedom that we know. So Paul... Here he is, he gets arrested and he appeals to Caesar, right? And we know the story and they end up taking him to Rome. And when he's in Rome, he thinks he's, he's free because he, the son, sets free, is free indeed. And Paul knows he's free inside. There's a difference in having freedom on the outside and having freedom on the inside. Can somebody say amen? That there's a difference when I know that the Son of God has set my soul free from the sin that had me bound in times past. So as I walk in this freedom, it's not about the condition I'm in on the external, but it's about what's on the internal. So Paul knows, sitting here in a prison cell, he is free, and he's free indeed. Think about that. 
There's chains wrapped around his feet. There's chains wrapped around his hands. And sure, the earthly man is bound, but the spiritual man is free indeed. So he writes these letters while he's sitting here in chains. And he could start off his conversation in saying, Dear Philemon, you fellow laborer, one whom I love. He had been to the church at Colossae. He knew Philemon as a person. He knew him as an individual. He knew him as a person of influence. So he writes back this letter to him. And as Paul is there pinning these things down, he's sitting there. And it's probably something that's troubling his heart. And he's like, I've got to have this communication or this conversation with this gentleman that I love. And I don't know how he's going to take it. Anybody ever had to have a hard conversation with somebody? They have TV shows about it today, intervention, right? Family member maybe struggling with addiction or alcoholism or whatever. They'll go in and have an intervention with them. The family will get together and they'll get this plan together and then they'll meet them and then they'll say, we're, we're intervening in your situation here today. This is what Paul is doing. He's intervening in a situation with Omnibus. But as Paul is sitting here in Rome, writing these letters to his churches, he continues to preach and teach people to people in Rome. So he doesn't say this present condition that I am hinders me from being able to preach. None of us has an excuse. None of us has an excuse that we can't do something for the kingdom of God. So Paul is there and he makes the best of the situation he's in. And as he's sitting there one day, this guy named Omnus walks up. This young person, Paul's like, wow, you ever heard about Jesus? Don't know who you're talking about. How do you not know about Jesus, right? There's a lot of people in the world that's never heard the word Jesus. The reason we send missionaries is because we love them enough to put our resources behind somebody to go make an impact in the world where the name Jesus is not known. But Paul met this guy named Amos, and he didn't know Jesus. So Paul talks to him, and he tells him the story, and he preaches to him. And Paul's actually pastoring a church with shackles on his hands and shackles on his feet. What excuse do you have to not share Jesus? I'm afraid they'll pose me. I'm afraid they'll, they, they won't believe, Ernie. What, what if I say something mean back to me and hurt my feelings? Amen? What excuse do we have? So as Paul begins to talk to this young man, finds out about him, the young man accepts Jesus. Everybody say, let's sing a hallelujah. Amen. This young man comes to know Jesus. Paul begins to train him and teach him and, and talk to him about the thing of being a Christian and, and how that we should learn Scripture and know Scripture and how that we should live our lives in a godly manner and how you should have this going on and that going on. And, and Paul begins to mentor and disciple this young man. In the process of doing this, Paul finally, I don't know how the conversation goes down, but sometimes in reading Scripture, you've got to read Scripture to kind of paint a picture and just go back and live the moment. Amen? So as I do this and I read through this, I've read this book a long, long time ago. This is one of the beginnings when I first become a Christian. This is one of the books I'd never heard of. 
I grew up in church my whole life. I never heard a message about Philemon. I never heard the story. So I began to read through that, and I was thinking, and, and I always do this when I read Scripture. I, I try to go back and put myself in that scenario, in that situation. So there's Paul sitting in Rome, chained, bound, discipling this young man. Hey, I went through Colossae one time. Is that where you're from? Yeah, I'm from there. How many knows you can pick up on somebody when they don't want to tell you something that the, you drag it out of them? It's the way I imagine this conversation going. So Omnibus, Paul begins to talk to him. Well, okay, Omnibus, it's, it's awesome that you got to know Jesus, and it's awesome that you've been here with me and helping me, and you've helped me with the church, and you're doing this and doing that, and you're a, a real good assistant to me, and I, I'm thanking God for you. But, uh, okay, where's you from? I was, I was yeah, Colossae. Okay. Man, I, I was there one time, and I helped plant a church. Really? That's awesome. Wait, who do you know from Colossae? Paul's like, well, I know a guy named Philemon. And I can imagine Omnus' heart sinking. How many's got people that you know that you don't want everybody to know you know them? <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> you bunch of liars. <laughs> I, I don't want to be guilty of my past, right? So Paul talks about it. Yeah, I know Philemon. Man, he's an awesome guy. He come to know Jesus. And Omnus sitting there. And Paul's bragging about this guy that he knows from Colossae. And, and next thing you know, Omnus sitting there. And he's like, I don't know. Finally, Paul understands or sees or reads through the body language or something. And says, Omnus, what, what's going on? Why are, you, why are you being a little reserved? Why are you not talking as much? How many knows when you have a hard conversation with somebody, they don't talk very much? You have to drag it out of them. Amen? So Paul begins to drag it out. What's going on, Omnus? Tell me the truth. The truth will set you free, right? Come on now. Bring it out. Come on. Finally, Omnibus says, well, Paul, this ain't nothing to brag about, but I want you to know, uh, actually, I'm a slave. Not real proud of my past, Paul. I ran away from it. And actually, the guy you're bragging about being such a good Christian, he was my owner. And I got tired of living in slavery, and I ran away. And this Philemon you're talking about in Colossae, that's actually my owner. Can you imagine being the Apostle Paul thinking there you got a new convert, you got a new person coming to your church, everything's hunky-dory, and the more you find out about their life, and then something like this comes on, it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, right? Paul, I can just imagine him saying, well, okay, I'm glad you revealed that to me. I'm glad you told me that. And it's good sometimes to talk about some things that you don't want to bring up anymore. Amen? The Bible also says don't cast your pearl before the swine. Amen? Don't tell every sin you ever committed to everybody. But there's something about having a small group and a connection group and some small group of people that you can talk about things that you're dealing with in your life because as God comes through your life, begins to change you from the inside out, he's going to take up some of those things. And sometimes something will pop up in your memory. And you'll remember something you did a long, long time ago. And you'll think, man, I need to rectify that.
because God wants to deal with it. Amen? Sure, your sins are taken away as far as the east is from the west. Now, I know that Psalm says that. That they're cast in the sea, and it's as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again. But as Paul's talking to Amos, I can just imagine then Paul going back and Amos leaving, and he's thinking, man, what an awesome young man. I'm so glad, Jesus, that you brought him into my life. And as you're bringing him into my life and I'm able to disciple him and train him in biblical things, you're getting ready to fix some stuff. Amen? You're getting ready to fix some stuff. And what tastes bitter right now is going to turn out sweet in the end. So as Paul begins to talk to him and coach this young man, Paul writes this letter. And can you imagine sitting here knowing this as the Apostle Paul just put yourself in his shoes for a minute, sitting here thinking, well, I know Philemon. I know Omnibus, and guess what? I'm going to write a letter because Jesus has inspired me to. The Bible says that all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. As you read your Bible, understand this, that God, basically the word there that, in, in, that it tells us that in Timothy, where the, God breathed the Word of God. When it says all Scripture is God-breathed, so even though men wrote these words down, it's God speaking to humans. Holy men of old wrote these words. And as Paul is writing these words, it's actually the Holy Spirit working through him that God is ordaining him to write these words. And he writes, Dear Philemon, fellow laborer in Jesus Christ. And he goes through and he tells him, I know how times passed that I was there and I helped plant that church and how that you come to know Jesus and I was an integral part of, of the initiation of your communication between you and God and I know that I was able to see you come to know Jesus. And he tells him, but I've got this new friend that I found now that I'm here in Rome and his name's Omnus. And guess who he is? He's a person that you used to own. Everybody say humans. Everybody say this. Humans shouldn't own humans. Amen. We should not own humans. And some people will look back through, and, and many of the times when slavery was being dealt with in America and during the Civil War, there was a lot of churches that were, majority of the churches preached that slavery was okay because they could find the word in the Bible. God don't want you owning anybody. Amen? You're not anybody's master. There, nobody is your puppet. Amen? We're all free in Jesus. I believe in equality. I believe in all those things. So as I'm saying this, look at this from this perspective. If Paul's writing this letter back, he has to deal with a, a, a former disciple he had in Colossae named Philemon, and he's dealing with this current uh, disciple that he has Omnibus in Rome, but he sends the letter back to Philemon via Omnibus. And how many of us would like to receive a letter that we have to take back to somebody that we don't want to see anymore. Amen. When God deals with us and tells us to take care of things, amen, he's sending us back to take care of those things. And he don't want to bring up old harm and he don't want to recut old wounds. And I'm not talking about where God is out to hurt you. He's out for your betterment. He's out for an end game that he has to where that you will be successful in life. 
And you don't have to rectify every individual wrong you've ever done to everybody. When you set free by the blood of Jesus, that means those sins are forever gone. But guess what? Sometimes God will have you to go reinitiate conversations with people you don't want to talk to anymore. So as I'm saying this, Paul, I'm sure it hurts his heart. My sinuses messed up, by the way, because I was cutting wood yesterday. I could barely breathe last night when I went to sleep. It, it's, a, it's awful to go to be allergic to wood. I mean, who in the world is... They, I went to the doctor that time, Cindy, and they put all those little sticky things in my back and all that, you know, because I, I despise allergies. And they come out and they say, well, you're allergic to weeds. I'm glad of that. Amen. I don't have to weed eat no more. That's awesome. You never did anyway. Never did anyway, so that's, that's good. That's just a sign. Here's your sign. Then it said you're allergic to wood. I'm like, wood? Who in the world is allergic to wood? I'm, I'm allergic to work, too. I'm glad I'm not a carpenter. <laughs> Amen. But if I do, if I get a saw out and go to saw and wood, it absolutely tears me down. Then I'm allergic to cats and dogs, and then most of all, they said you're allergic to Leslie. But <laughs> so the farther I stay away, the better. Wrap it up, okay. So Omnibus is a slave that had run away from home. If you was a slave, wouldn't you want to? Put yourself in his shoes a minute. So as I'm thinking about this slavery issue, I, I begin to think through, and sometimes we point our finger at everybody else, but usually everybody knows this, right? If you're pointing fingers at somebody else, there's three more pointing back at you. So I began to think through that, and what if I was born in that culture and in that world, and, and it was just the norm to own people, would, would I have owned slaves? Would I be the same person I am today if I was born into a different culture, right? And sometimes we take on our Christianity and we blend it together with who we are as a person and our makeup, and we don't base it on Scripture, but we base it on what we think or who we think we are. Amen, and we blend it all together, make us a good smoothie to drink. And I began to think through that, and I thought, well, would I own a slave, Ernie? And I, I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. I've, I wasn't born there. I don't know. But then I began to think, well, what if it's me today? What if I've got a blind spot? Has anybody ever had a blind spot where you about hit somebody going down the road and you couldn't see them? You look through this mirror and that mirror, and you look over your shoulder both ways, and the next thing you know, there's a blind spot, and you go to cut it over, and then they beat their horn, beep, 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 beep. It's like... Right? Blind spot. I can tell you this, that in your Christianity, I promise you, you have blind spots. That unless you read the Word of God and you find out a way to apply it to exactly what I'm going through right here, and God, like we said at the beginning of this, give me a big dose of reality. Come and challenge me. Get in the middle of my mess. Amen? So as I began to think through that, and I thought, well, do, would I own slaves today? No, I wouldn't. I've been around racist people, but I've always wanted myself to be known as an anti-racist person or anti-slavery person. And it's not just one race that's been slaves. There's been slaves from all races. Not taking anything away from any of them. Jews were oppressed. They were slaves in Egypt. You can read through your Bible. Go find all over the world. You'll find that slavery has been every race of people. 
So I began to think through that, and could I be complicit some way, or could I be a co-conspirator in some way to slavery? It made me challenge myself, Ernie. I think we should have to do this sometimes to introspect and say, God, show me if I am. So I begin to read articles, and I look, and Nike. How many's ever heard of Nike? Anybody got Nike shoes on? You got Nike? Lexi's got Nike's on. Okay. That's awesome. Amazon. How many's ever used Amazon? Anybody ever used Amazon to order something? All right. How about Apple? Has anybody got an iPhone or iPad or something to do with Apple technology? Okay, there's a lot of you in here. What about Google? Anybody ever Google something? Google it. They had you say it all the time before he figured out he didn't even know what Google was or Internet was, but he knew on a job every young person there was fiddling around with their phones, and he said, Google it. Anything you didn't know, they just Google it, right? It's kind of part of that. And there's many, many other corporations. And these corporations are known and it is implied that they are participants of slavery in Asia. There is slaves in China working on the components that makes your phone. Anybody got a 401k? Right? Some kind of retirement plan, some kind of savings plan of some kind. So if we own one of those savings plans and one of those savings plans buys an investment in Apple, Google, Nike, are we not partial owners? Do we not get benefit from that? Do we not gain? See, we don't like talking about stuff like this. And everybody's sitting here thinking, oh, Lord, shut up, man. You're on Facebook Live and somebody's going to hear you. Can I tell you right now? I don't care how I feel. I don't how un care un how uncomfortable this makes me feel. We should preach the truth. And owning people, I believe, is sin. Amen? But I can't choose what stock I have and don't have in Apple. I can't do that. But I can speak out against it. How he knows the more people that will raise up your voice, it will be heard. Mm -hmm. Amen. And as Christians, we should be speaking on people's freedom, not on their slavery. Dear Philemon, the story goes that Almas takes this letter, his own letter that he don't even know what it says, but his pastor gave him a letter to take back to his slave owner. Can you imagine traveling through miles and miles and miles heading from Rome to Colossae, taking a letter that you don't know what says, and Paul tells you, your pastor tells you, go take this to the person that you're owned by. That's a hard pill to swallow. So he travels and he does what he's supposed to do. He does it anyway. And as he takes it, and the way the Roman, you've seen that, the seal's broken, and it talks about in Revelations, and you've seen this, that it was actually wax that they would put on a, on a scroll, and they would roll it up, and they'd put this on it and imprint it, and it would be a chunk of wax. That way the person receiving it knew if the wax was broken, that it had been read, and somebody had done something with it. It wasn't an original document. 
And I'm sure Paul did that with this because he'd sent it with on us. And he takes off up through there and he gets it to, uh, over there to his friend. So he thinks Philemon, his owner. And his owner, I can just imagine all of us walking up and shame and all that of running away and all that and walking up and handing it to Philemon and Philemon taking that and saying, okay, this is from Paul. Okay, breaks, looks. Can you imagine being sitting there looking at your master? Your owner. And watching them read a letter. And I'm just, you know, this is the way I see it if I put myself in this situation. And all of a sudden you see this stern, bitter, angry, slave-owning person. As you see tears begin to fall down her face as they're reading a letter that you can't read. Because Paul tells Philemon, this person that you own, his name is Omnus. Philemon, I'm begging you as my Christian brother in Christ to no longer consider this man named Omnus as your slave, but consider him a brother. And Paul tells Philemon in this story, and you can read this book, and it's one page. It's not that much. He tells him, if he owes you anything, put it on my account. I'll pay it for you. I'll pay for his freedom. Paul says that I will pay, put it on my account. Don't hold it against him. Whatever it costs, I'll pay the fee. So I begin to look through that and try to look that up to see what does it cost? What does what does a slave cost in, in 60 AD? Does anybody know? Five hundred denarii. That make him that make it better? No. Well denarii is about eight dollars. About four thousand bucks. Four thousand dollars. Paul's saying, I'll pay it. I care so much about him, and he's such a help to me. I'll, I'll pay for him, and he'll be free, though. He won't be my slave. I'll buy his freedom. Isn't that us? Isn't that a picture of me and you with a broken, contrite heart? Have to come to Jesus. come to God say Heavenly Father I'm coming to you and him looking down through it and it's a letter from Jesus that says I'll pay their price dad it don't get any better than that don't get any better than that you and I were a slave to sin but we're set free by the blood of Jesus <laughs> makes Ernie happy. It makes me happy too. It don't get any better than that. It's good news. It's real, real good news. And Jesus sent us back and said, I'll pay the price for their sin. But I'm setting them free. They're not going to be slaves. 
So when you become a Christian today, you're not a slave to Jesus in the way we understand slavery. It's just that we owe him our life. Amen. We owe him the rest of our life to say, Jesus, whoever I am, whatever I am, allow me to have hard conversations with people that I don't even know how to have. That's what he's asking of us today. It's a small world we live in. And Omnibus was trying to run away, but God found him where he was at. And sometimes it comes full circle. It comes full circle. It always does. Have you ever been on the road somewhere? I'm sure, Joe Don, maybe you go up to Galpliss, Ohio, or wherever up in the northern part of Ohio, and you're talking to somebody, and they've lived up there their whole life, and they'll say, well, yeah, but I know so-and-so. And I, how do you know them? Well, I, I was from Lewis County. It happens all the time. Right, Eric? You can go anywhere in the world, and you'll run into somebody. It'll go right back to here. It's crazy how that happens. It's a small world. And no matter how far you try to run, no matter how far you try to go, God will cause it to come full circle. And you're going to find out how small of a world this is, just like Omnibus did. You cannot outrun God. You can't get too far away that he won't find you. He is chasing you. And as I think about that, I'm, I'm done here. I've went too long, and I'm done. We as a church consider ourselves blessed that we want to learn together and serve others. That's our mission as a church of what we want to do. And the good note of this is we started out good, dear Philemon. We entered into some bitterness in our heart to bring out some things, and we're leaving with this. And I found this this thing, I was just, it, it happened across my thing this morning, and I didn't even think of this until this morning. Global University is a college through the Assemblies of God that uh, used to be called Berean. Mom, you'll probably remember Berean. And it just come across there, and I was like, wow. The, their tagline and their mission is this, to reach the lost and to train the found. Reach the lost train the found I thought wow how awesome is that we can all reach somebody if we allow God to speak to us but once they're lost or found what we're going to do with them we all need to be disciples of Jesus amen and become better people because God is in our lives Leslie if you'll play something so I'll shut up it'll be great Reach the lost, train the found. When Sister Garza planted this church, she wanted to tackle the world and had a few little uh, few little individuals that wouldn't let her go. And she began to train the found. Ev and Mom and Betty and all kinds of different people. Sister Gartha actually had, she wanted to start a school here in Lewis County. A Bible college is what she wanted. That was her, that was her passion, her dream. She was thinking, wow, I got to experience Bible college. I want everybody to experience what I've experienced. 
And when she come back from World Harvest Bible College, she come here and planted this church in 96, 97, when they opened this building. She found Bree in college, and she started offering classes here. And there's people came here, and they would, as you would attend church here, or even people outside of this church would come here. And there's people that was from uh, Raceland Church come here and took classes. Raceland Church is 400 people at that time. They didn't have a Bible college, but there's a little bitty group down here of about 10, 20 people that did have a Bible college, and people from that church come here. People come from Orangeburg. People come from all over. And they come to this room where you're sitting today, and they took Bible courses. And one of them was a young lady from Raceland Church that uh, was dealing with the call from God because she felt like as a woman she couldn't pastor because society wouldn't accept her. And uh, she come down here and she come to Bible college here in this room. And Garth has told me this story about how Krista stood in front of this church and Sister Garth prayed for her. And she walked out here and said, I've accepted this call and I'm going to live it out. No matter what man says of me, I'm going to do what God says. And she went back to that church and she took off and she went down to Brownsville where the Great Revival was happening in the late 90s. If you've never heard of Brownsville Revival, people from all over the world attended that revival in Brownsville and thousands and thousands and thousands of people got saved. And over, over millions came to that revival. It was years long. And after she left that revival, that God took her through that as a training course, she landed back in Paris, Kentucky, started attending church there at Paris next thing you know they elect her to be her pastor and sister Chris is one of those people that I consider a great friend but sometimes people with little if they don't think they can they won't but Sister Gartha didn't take that, and she grew up less than three or four miles from here. And her dad was a sharecropper, which basically means they were so poor they didn't have anything. She could have used the excuse of every reason of why she shouldn't or couldn't. But she found something in Jesus, and she said, I cannot let others go without knowing him. And I cannot go without teaching the way I've been taught. It's called paying it forward. I'm asking you today, will you pay forward what Jesus has done for you? Won't you bow your head and close your eyes? Jesus, I'm asking you to help us as a church to promote freedom. God, I pray that every person in this room, if they don't know you, that they won't leave this place today without giving their heart to you and asking you to come and be their Lord and Savior. 
And Lord, you would set them free and they would be free indeed. Unbound by their history. Unbound by their past. And God, as this freedom comes to them, Lord, I pray that we would move in everything that we say and do to promote freedom as a church. God, help us as a church to promote freedom in this world. Lord, when we hear of slavery, when we hear of manipulation, when we hear of bondage, God, let us speak out and let us speak up. Give us boldness to declare your word is true. Set them free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.